Welcome to the new media show, where each Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, UTC plus 4, Todd Cochran and Rob Greenlee take their over 30 combined years of leadership in the podcasting space to discuss, dissect, and deconstruct the current podcasting news, forecasts, trends, and predictions. Now here are your hosts, Academy of Podcasting Hall of Famers, Todd Cochran and Rob Greenlee. Hey, Rob, how you doing? Hey. We're back here with the new media show. We are back, and we're doing this from Riverside FM, so uh, this is a little bit different experience. Todd's on the road, as as happens occasionally, but it's great to be back doing the show. Yeah, I'm enjoying my last day here in Honolulu. I'll be uh, getting on an airplane at 6 o'clock tonight and red-eyeing it back across the pond, as That's they great. say. Yeah, so, and- but hey... W- We've got a great guest today. Why don't we do the intro for our guest? Right. We're talking Dan Franks. Talking about Mr. Danny Boy. We're talking Dan Franks. We're talking about Dan Franks. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Dan Franks joins us. You guys got some new toys since the last time I joined you. (laughs) He's the... Co-founder and president of uh, Podcast Movement. I'm sure most people listening to this know know who you are, Dan. So, but it's great to have you uh, with us again. Uh, so much to talk about. It's been been quite a quite a journey over the last year since the last Podcast Movement. But it's, it's great to be great to have you here. here. Yeah, no, good to be here. And yeah, I've been following you guys to the multiple times a week and then different days of the week and, uh, <laughs> you know, your clubhouse and the, like I said, the new, new toys. So um, yeah, good to be here. Yeah. We'll be honest with you, Dan, getting my Saturdays back has been life-changing. So I bet. Uh, as soon as Rob says we're going to do Saturdays again, I say, well, maybe you need to find a new co-host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's much easier I, on this I mean, side, too, to hop on on a Wednesday afternoon than a uh, Saturday morning. Right. I mean, it certainly has been a long time for me, too. I've been doing shows uh, Saturday mornings. I'm going all the way back to 1999, so it's uh, it's... It is nice to have Saturdays back again. <laughs> you know, Rob, it just gives you enough time to do a little more clubhouse stuff. I see you're doing Yeah, stuff, right, so exactly. You That's just true. Replace, you add one thing to replace it from another. But uh, anyway, Dan, man, oh, man, it's, uh, you know, I'm looking at the calendar here. It's already May 26th, and it ain't going to be too long. We're all going to be down in Nashville. Yeah, I think uh, last I looked, 68 days was where we're at on the countdown. So it's going to be here before we know it. But um yeah, excited. I were last weekend or a few weekends ago, got to see Rob in person, which was the first time I'd actually been any kind of travel or anything headed to the Ambies. Uh, so we yeah. we got, got some experience and it made me even even more excited to actually get out and do things again, I guess. You know, I I think that uh this trip to Honolulu I came here for my son's graduation. Um there now even in Hawaii, they've been the most locked down of anybody state in the country and restrictions on coming in and COVID tests and blah, blah, blah. But they just released the outdoor mask mandate here last night. And because um, when I got here, I'm like, people are outside wearing masks. I'm kind of, I was kind of surprised, but, um, it's, you know, beautiful sun in Hawaii. So how is the registration what do you think your attendance numbers are going to be you know i think that's that's a question that my team keep asking me how many people do we send because is there going to be five thousand there may two thousand is there going to be you know any idea what your numbers looking like 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's going to be 5,000. I think that would be, um, you know, near close to double, a little less than double our, our largest year, which was 2019, which we had 3,000 people there. So I don't think it's going to be that much. Um, I don't think, I'm trying to think if the venue could actually handle that in a normal year. Um, so it's not going to be that. But yeah, I, I think at kind of baseline 2,000 is, is seems pretty reasonable. Um, it's really hard to tell because we always, just the nature of events, the last two months is when the flood of registration start coming in. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people just want to wait until they, and we've talked about this every year, want to wait until they know they're going to make it before they buy a ticket, even if it's a little more expensive because it's closer to the event. And I think we're going to even see like a, a later rush and more of a rush this year, just because, you know, things like you said, things are just now opening up in places. People are just now starting to venture out. Um, not just not to go to events, but just venture out of their house, venture into restaurants. That's just now starting to happen. So I think as people get out there, maybe start feeling more comfortable, seeing the numbers continue to decline. Um, I think all of those things are going to uh, get more people excited to go out. And like I said, it's had a taste of travel a few weekends ago, and now I just can't wait to do it again just because it's been so long. So right. I think all of those things really will push it even later. But um, I'm, I, we're pleasantly surprised by how the registrations are going so far. Um, I think I, I, it looks like about 15% of attendees are registering for virtual passes. So that makes the majority of people are buying the in-person passes. Um, exhibit booths are going to be sold out sooner than they ever have been. Usually we've always got a few trickling in a few weeks before the event. Now we're almost <clears throat> out. So from the business side, we, we see a lot of um, excitement and people traveling in uh, we got almost as many speaker submissions for in-person speakers than we've ever gotten before so kind of all the different i don't know what you want to call them stakeholders in the event really are, are showing excitement and and you know hopefulness and promise and, and all of those things so i um yeah in terms of some of those fears we would have had three or four months ago of what's it going to look like i think all things are pointing in the right direction for sure I, I'm so over virtual at this point. I, I you know, and and I think you're right with the with the bar sliding. Even a month ago, I was told that I could not watch my son walk in a stadium. They, we'd be on a jumbotron in a car in the parking lot. And then two weeks ago, they said, "Okay, we're going to let the parents come in and sit on the football field with the kids." And they had a you know whole protocol set up. So I was you know so things are changing that rapidly and. Um, of course, I don't know what the rules are for the state of Tennessee at this point, but um, I guess they're ready to accept visitors. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's several different kind of governing whatever bodies and directives involved. Um, so the state of Tennessee, I believe, is basically pretty much open. So I'm based in Texas and we've kind of got that same mentality where it's open and then it's up to the businesses what they want to do. Um, so the state itself is open. There's nothing at this point restricting us from the state. Uh, the hotel does have some procedures in place and uh, like all hotels, I think in the country, at least in the big chains like Marriott, they are saying, um, you know, masks for anyone inside who's not eating. So as of now, if the event happened today, that's what the hotel would be um, enforcing. So therefore, that's what we would be enforcing. Um, but still, you know, over two months to go. And like you said, how fast things are changing it's just hard to say, okay, this is exactly what we're going to do. Um, obviously we want to keep things safe. We want to keep people comfortable. We want to give opportunities for people that are being extra cautious to be extra cautious and opportunities for people. If you know, they're, they're willing to give someone a hug that they haven't seen in two years, we're not going to like, you know, separate them. So there, there's going to be a balancing act and we're just hopeful that, um, everyone is kind of 
accepting of whatever other people want to do and be like, cool, that's, you know, we're, we're all yep. kind of in this together and figuring it out together. I, I think we're going to be one of the, at least in the, in the podcast space, the first kind of big gathering, uh, since maybe since our last one in, in February of 2020. Yeah. Uh, so I think everyone's just kind of going to, going to try to figure it out together and hopefully everyone plays nice that way. Rob, I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever hugged Dan, but I think when we get there, we're going to have to hug Dan. I'll give you a hug. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. It's all good, Dan. Um, So from a uh, experience, like uh, like an attendee experience uh, around the format of the, of the events and how things are going to progress um, in that experience, uh, have you made, Major changes. I know you have more live stages that are going to be going on uh, on the live streaming side. Um, but what's kind of the the tracks? Is there adjustments in that as far Maybe as the, what people should expect? Yeah, yeah, the schedule and the content is going to be very familiar to anyone who's been to any of our events. So mm-hmm. we've got the different stages that are track based. So if you're uh, all the marketing sessions will be on the marketing stage and all the technical sessions on the technical mm-hmm. stage. And that's kind of how it's been the last several years. Uh, so that's going to be the same. There are a few, we had a few like overflow stages in the past that would just kind of were catch all. Um, those we did away with in, in favor of kind of expanding and adding a little bit more room to some of the other stages just to, um, you know, we're not quite sure how the seating arrangements are going to be yet. We're leaning towards Mm -hmm. like pod seating, like you see in the NBA and NHL right now, where it might be two chairs and then a space and then four chairs and then a space, something like that. Um, so because of that, we wanted the rooms to be a little bit bigger, killed some of those, uh, overflow stages, but in terms of the schedule and the layout, it is going to be very familiar to what, um, we've had in the past. Uh, mm-hmm. it, but like you said, the biggest changes are, or will be incorporating some of those virtual components for people who maybe, you know, they're out of the country and can't travel or they don't feel safe traveling. Um, so I guess the term everyone's using is hybrid event. It's technically going to be a hybrid event for those in person. It'll just feel like a normal event with a few extra precautions. But for those virtually uh, our traditional virtual ticket has just been uh, recordings of all the sessions a few weeks after the events over when we get them all edited down and everything. And that's kind of been what the virtual ticket was this year. There are going to be five different stages that are live streamed throughout the event where they're going to be able to watch, you know, it's not like your typical virtual event now where you're watching zoom calls. They're actually going to be, you know, watching the sessions on stage, um, which we think is cool. That'll at least be kind of like baby steps in the right direction for those people. And in addition to that, our virtual platform that we're using, uh, it's also the mobile app platform and we'll be able to handle like all Q and a for the sessions that will all happen on the mobile app for both people in person and virtually. Mm-hmm. So we don't like pass the microphone cause that's kind of getting a little too aggressive there with uh, germs and cleanliness and all that. So people in person will be able to submit their questions on the mobile app to the speakers or virtually that are watching it live. will be able to submit the questions there. So little things like that, that'll kind of bring those watching virtually into the same, you know, same hemisphere uh-huh. of those who are uh, in person. So little things like that. But yeah, like I said, most of those changes are going to be on the virtual side. So those that are running the sessions can actually, will be able to see those questions come through if you're up on stage. Is yeah, that exactly. The plan? So on the mobile app mm-hmm. or, or the laptop or the iPad, we'll, we'll have everyone kind mm-hmm. of trained up on where to see those. And then they'll see those questions come through. And really they won't even know if it's a question from the virtual attendees or the in-person attendees, and they'll be able to see them all and pick which ones they want to answer. I think that's going to work out well. You know, I think you could see that going forward, you know, much beyond the current situation, but 
Yeah, I was, you know, I, I, I know that you probably have to be flexible up until the time of the event on, you know, your seating arrangements and all that stuff. We're going to have to see where that's at. But uh, it's, I'm looking forward to being, you know, in the booth saying hello and, you know, the, the three o'clock in the morning in the hallway <laughs> conversations, that stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's exciting. And like I said, even just that taste of traveling and getting around some, some live event a few weekends ago, that was a, um, yeah, it just reminds you how much you like, you know, you miss it because it's yeah. avoidant in the life, but then you actually do something that gives you a taste of it and it makes it even more so. So currently travel between the United States and Canada is still restricted. I, mm-hmm. my understanding, but I think people from Europe can come to the United States with a COVID test. So are you following all that or, you know, what, what do you expect on the international side for attendance? Obviously people in Australia and New Zealand are locked yeah. down. They're not going to be able to come. Um, yeah. How's we've, response internationally? Yeah. We've not, I, I, I mean, we've just kind of been focusing on the U S just because there's still uncertainty. We, there are people in Europe have told us they're going to do whatever they can to travel. I know every country there is different, so it's kind of, right. you can't really do a blanket statement. Um, right. I'm not sure what Canada's current, current restrictions are i think there might be quarantine restrictions if you're going back across the border so it's a little more restrictive going that way than it is coming this way uh mm-hmm. so i i do know there are some canadian speakers that are coming over and just whatever is required on the backside they're going to do um hope they're i think they're all hoping that over the next two months some of that might lift so they're hedging their bets a little bit um but yeah in terms of international travel like you said just kind of rolling with the punches as as they go well, and we haven't talked about the um, the elephant in the room of sorts, but this this venue that you guys have selected is uh, very unique. Why don't you tell us about that? <laughs> well, I don't know if that's the ele- elephant in the room, but that's certainly that's certainly something <laughs> well, we're excited about. It's um, <laughs> you know it's a pro and the con because it's the Gaylord Opryland in Nashville, which right. anyone who's been to any of the Gaylord resorts anywhere in the country, they're some of the nicest uh, hotels right. and convention centers uh, that that are around. So we are so yeah. excited about having this awesome venue. And then it's the year that, you know, some people won't be able to make it. So that's a bummer. Um, but on the flip side, it's such a large venue and it just has like atriums and uh, gardens and all of this, like just tons mm-hmm. of space in there. So from a perspective of people looking to maybe mm-hmm. be at an event, but not be on top of each other at an event, it'll definitely allow for that too. a lot of room for people to, you know, spread out and, and hang out and mix and mingle without just being, you know, packed like sardines. So, on that side, it's going to be a good thing to have it. But yeah, these Gaylord resorts, I, I've been to a few of them and they're, they're just, they're just awesome. And, and the conference space is mm-hmm. really nice and it's all kind of, it's all, all stacked and all in one area. So we're kind of dominating the main portion of the convention center there. Uh, yeah, it's going to be really cool. And I know anyone who I've talked to who's been there before, when they find out where it's at, they get excited. It's one of those venues that they really liked going to. And I think Rob, you said you've been there before. Yeah, I've actually worked the the um, the National Religious Broadcasting Conference had their event there that I I worked at, and uh, it's it's like being outside, but you're inside. So is kind of a good way of looking at it. It's got an all glass ceiling, so people will be able to you know, basically spend their whole time there and not ever have to go outside um, because it's basically like being outside, but it's more of an environmental controlled, you know, environment to, to some degree. Yeah. This is the first event where I have the choice of driving or, or flying. So I, you know, I, <laughs> I still think I'm going to fly, but it's uh what kind of drive would that be? Nice, it's like maybe six hours or something like that, six, seven hours. So not, not bad for me at least, but then again, 
yeah, maybe eight, who knows. But yeah, I've some of my team members have been at the NRB event as well and they were, you know, they're all excited about coming back to that to that venue. So yeah. I've never been there, so I look forward to, you know, checking the venue out. Dan, are you guys going to be having any content sessions in the exhibition area? Um, don't you talk about where the exhibition is going to be too? That'd be great. Yeah. So a lot of these venues and, you know, we've talked in the past about how we're outgrowing certain venues mm-hmm. and a lot of cities we want to be in. There's just no venues, mm-hmm. entire cities uh, that fit us. Uh, and mm-hmm. one of the things that some of these conference centers do whenever they're trying to get big events there is they'll, they have dedicated expo halls, but they're often like in the basement or on the bottom right. floor. And they often right. have like pillars and posts everywhere. So they're not super conducive or they're, you know, con- they're concrete walls and floors. So you have to like get a bunch of carpet and just do a whole lot of fixing up of it. Um, and mm-hmm. we've really tried to not uh, do anything like that. So this year we're able to, again, avoid that. And there's just this giant mega ballroom um, similar to what people might have seen in Orlando at the event, just a really giant ballroom that we're able to turn into our expo. So we're able to use that, and it's right in the middle of the action. So it's right, uh, it's connected to the keynote room. It's right, yeah, in in the the main kind of traffic area there for the event. So um, the expo hall is going to be really good. Uh, like I said, shaping up really, really awesome in terms of being full of really great companies. We've had pretty much every company that committed to a booth. Um, they're going to be able to do it. So any restrictions or, or corporate um, travel bans or anything, it uh, doesn't look like that's going to affect very many, if any. Um, and then like you mentioned, some of the stages within the expo hall. So we've got three stages that are either connected to the expo hall or that you go through the expo hall to get to. Um, so it's our live stage, which we had last year, which is um, that one's actually streamed for free for anyone. So it's not just virtual ticket holders, but we'll have it for free online for anyone to watch. And Mm -hmm. that's the one that you guys did your show from in Orlando. And we'll be having uh, this show again, uh, live from Nashville. Uh, but that's the live stream stage. And then we have two, uh, I guess, pop-up stages, you would call them. Um, one's a fireside chat stage. One's a solution stage, same things we had in Orlando and yeah, just kind of stages within the expo hall, but a little bit, you know, not, directly in the middle of the action so that people can't hear what's going on. But um, yeah, that worked out really well last year when we kind of put stages that were in and around the expo area and yeah, doing that again. So the question I always like to ask is food venues. This place got a a large number of food venues or what's the story on that? (laughs) Yeah. So I believe they have 20 if you count like all the bars and all the restaurants. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Again, anyone who's been to a Gaylord knows that they really try to make it, like Rob said, a place that once you're in there, you never leave. So, you know, when they have that type of mentality, they put, you know, seven or eight different sit down restaurants to pick from that are like big and addition all the different bars and stuff. Um, Obviously, anyone that went to Orlando knew that the Orlando Hotel for a a, a conference center of that size, they didn't just have a whole lot of places to pick from Mm -hmm. to eat and the places they had, they didn't even have them staffed up appropriately. So um, always a head scratcher. Why, why a big 25 deep in the bar, you know, trying to get, (laughs) yeah. So you only um, have two people for 4,000 people in two conventions. Come on now. (laughs) Yeah. So luckily, uh, luckily I don't think we're going to have that issue. And yeah, again, kind of a place that people will be able to get there and then just spend all their time hanging out. And, you know, if they're there for three or four or five days, they could eat dinner at a different restaurant every night and not repeat. 
Awesome. And I don't think that they're, it's very far to get to other restaurants too that are outside of the hotel too. So I did some of that when I was there as well. Yeah, it's so, in the, um, yeah. I'm not super familiar with all the different regions of Nashville, mm-hmm. but it's by the Opryland, obviously, which is a, a tourist yeah. place. So there's a large mall there called Opry Mills, which is one of the biggest malls in the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's like within the same complex. And the hotel is a shuttle that goes to several of these different places. Right. And then I think the hotel is only, t- it's only 10 or 15 minutes from downtown. So it's not that much of a haul to kind of get to all the touristy places within Nashville, all the different bars that people recognize and, and want to go to when they're in town. So it'll be pretty, pretty accessible. Yeah. So what do you think, uh, what's on the agenda for parties and stuff after hours? <laughs> Yeah, then we're getting to the meaty stuff here. here, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we've got um, we've got two big ones planned. So iHeart does their big party every year. Um, not quite sure where it's going to be, but um, every year they they do a big one. Sometimes it's in uh, like in in Los Angeles. It was in kind of an underground like club area, little loud, little um, you know, little but little dark. But it was a really good party for you know the people that 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 was kind of their scene. And then the year before they did one um, an outdoor party, kind of the exact opposite. Uh, in Orlando at, I think it was called Tin Roof. So, um, but they always do good parties and we'll hopefully find out soon where theirs is going to be. And then we have another party that's in the works. I'm not quite sure what the, uh, not quite sure who the sponsor we've got. It's it's weird. There's somebody that sponsored it and I'm not quite sure what the, uh, what the promotion is of that's going to be. So, um, but it's going to be another big party. So we're excited about that. Uh, We've got our kickoff party the first night uh the after party friday night still open for sponsors so if anyone's listening and wants to wants to jump into the after party after the event concludes that's one to uh hop in on and make it happen oh so that was not a sound effect i was gonna say i've never heard that one store (laughs) so do you think then that um you know it just sounds to me like we're I, again, I get excited because it sounds like we're almost back to normal. You know, so we're going to have a normal, normal sessions. We're going to have different protocols, obviously, in effect. But um, do you know of any other big events that are going in in this place before your event where the hotels had some experience? Or are they running stuff right now? Or Yeah, they've been running things. Um, I'm trying to think when our last site visit was, but it was several months ago. And that was basically the last week they could get us in there before they were more or less back to full, full production mode. Wow. Um, being a, you know, being one of the States that's open and I can say the same thing for some of the properties here in Dallas uh, for the past several months, they've kind of been full, you know, f- uh, maybe not full events, but like big events going. So right. yeah, I can say that's already happening now. So by then it definitely will be um, definitely lots of practice under their belts and they'll hopefully be able to see what's working and what's not working. And we'll be able to take that feedback from them. Ironically enough, a lot of the session, well, a lot of the events in general in the hotel conference industry are medical, uh, medical conferences, um, drug conferences, those kind of things. And they said those have were the first ones to come back. And it was just because wow. all the doctors would get their vaccines or come in with their tests and just like be okay to be in the area. They just knew that, you know, if they they all felt like, okay, they're wearing masks, they've got their negative test and then they're all, all there together. So those were actually the first ones they said to come back were all the, the medical and the dental and all those types of things. 
So um, I have to ask you this question. If you don't want to answer it, it's okay. Um, so, <laughs> so we've seen your, your guys' show progress over the years, and obviously more money's come into the show with the bigger sponsors. How has the the corporate overlords, the big boys, how are they? You know, the Spotify's of the world and those folks are are they? You know, they they engaging and coming in full force. Yeah, they are. Um, probably everyone that you would consider under that umbrella um, is is going to be there, is participating. We've had phone calls on on content. They've got their you know experiential teams because they all have like teams within teams, um, planning out their booths and stuff. So yeah, everyone we've talked to is going to be there in full force, if not more. Um, getting pitched, you know, sessions and and talent, big name talent and stuff. All these things that normally would happen. Um, and it's been since it's been two years since we've actually done a full version of this. Um, it's even and so much has changed in those two years. It's even more so than we've ever had before. So, um, uh, what, yeah, what but, you, you know, we're still then? doing I, I still feel like we're doing a good job of like. I don't want to say like throttling some of that back because, you know, we appreciate the support and, and all of that, but we're, you know, still balancing it. We like I said, we did our open call for speakers, got more pitches than ever before more proposals than ever before and like 95 percent of those are independent podcasters or you know people from small kind of homegrown networks they're not the big names and um, that's still what's going to make up i'd say 75 percent of the programming are, the, are those those people that have been the core since the beginning so i feel like we're, we're not uh, you know i'd hope we'll never get to the point where it's so stressed that we kind of have to pick one or the other and can't do both but at least for this year i feel like we're still able to to do both so are we going to see more like 20 by 20s, 40 by 40 type type booths or, or maybe are you same. seeing more of that? I'd say the same. I'd say the same. I'll the say. same, you know, your same Spotify's and iHearts and some of the, the bigger networks that mm -hmm. have had those in the past will have them again. Um, yeah. So I, I would say there's not, not a huge change there. Um, but I think Orlando was the first year we're in 2019 where we actually saw like real corporate money, like right. building out those, those mm -hmm. um, mega booths. booths. And yeah. And Spotify had, you know, the, the mega booth where it looked like there was vines growing all over and stuff. Um, and even in, in Los Angeles at our smaller event, right. iHeart had put together a, a, you know, pretty, pretty unique big booth there. So yeah, but I, I think that's just started coming and I do think that those will continue. Um, but I wouldn't say necessarily more. What would you say then for the indie podcasters that are coming with these, you know, with these bigger companies they're representing, what's the opportunity then? Because, you know, in the past, there maybe wasn't necessarily opportunities. You you know, you knew about these big companies, you knew, you know, their existence, but the average podcaster does not have interaction with an iHeart or a Spotify or, you know, something of that nature. What Where do you think the opportunities are going to lie for indies? Well, I mean, I think, you know, in addition to just the content being still mostly geared towards people who are creators themselves, I mean, that's always what the content itself has been mostly mm -hmm. geared towards. So the education piece will still, that's where the, the value will still be. But in terms of those large networks being present, and then what can the independent creators or, or creators in general get from that? I mean, obviously Spotify now is a way different thing than it was, than Spotify was two yeah. years ago. You know, now they're actively engaging and trying to, do more things for creators and involve creators more in what they're doing, you know, from different levels. And they've got even more things that I hear they're rolling out between now and then that will be more, um, more pieces right. for them to, to discuss with creators. So I think from that standpoint, you know, it used to be, Hey, Spotify is here and 
we don't really like like we know Spotify traditionally, but what why are they here? Now there's actually talking points and things to go up and hopefully learn from them and questions to ask them and things to bring up. Um, so I think from from that standpoint, a lot of these big networks that just used to be there just to be there are actually now there with something to say and hopefully something to, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to communicate. So I think from that, that's that's the biggest thing I'd say is they're actually there with a purpose now instead of just to be there. So would you say that most of the major listening platforms are going to be represented there, you think? Yeah. Um, I mean, besides Apple. <laughs> um. Yeah, and and Apple will have some sort of presence still working on that. Um, Are they? Okay. Yeah, you know, in, in the, the past several years, they've done some like invite only type right. um, workshops exactly. and stuff where they they're tr- they were trying to communicate mainly to the you know the hosting companies or the platforms or you know mm-hmm. some of the larger podcasters. Um, and yep. you know, again, what's changed in two years and two months with them? Um, they're now trying to do a lot more, you know, one to one with the creators and more opportunities and offerings for creators independently in addition to just what they're doing with the different um you know hosting companies and stuff so they you know they do want to have a presence and they do now have, feel like they have stuff to to say and share that maybe they felt like they didn't before so we'll see what we'll see what that shakes out you know anyone who's worked with apple knows that they like to you know have, have control over what they do and what they say and how that message goes out and their preferred method is always through their official wwdc conference or their own you know keynote talks that they either host in person or, or broadcast. So anytime you try to get them to do something like at an event like ours, like announcements and stuff, they'd rather do it on their own platform than ours. And, you know, all kinds, you know, all kinds of things that, um, you know, uh, that made like the invite only a lot easier for them to do than something that's public. But, um, like I said, they, they've got a much bigger team on the podcast side than they did before. Um, some familiar faces over there, like for instance, like Jake Shapiro, who was with PRX for years, who's always been active at PRX and radio public is where he was, has been, he's always been active in the event. Now he's in house and Apple. So a lot of things that, you know, are, are hopefully helping with that transition to get them, um, get them more involved. Yeah. Go ahead, Todd. Well, it's just, you know, to to me, it sounds like, um, it's going to be a full-fledged event, and if you don't have your tickets yet, sounds like to me it's time to get your wallet out and get your uh, get your tickets and come on down. Because you know, if if there is okay, so just look at you know the presence of all these entities that are going to be there, um, and if there's let's say there's two thousand people there, that's going to give huge. That's going to give someone a huge incentive to be able to be there and talk to somebody in person. It's not like they're going to be fighting to talk to, uh, you know, there's 4,000 people there and, you know, they have to fight in line to talk to someone. With 2,000 people, it's going to be manageable. You're going to be able to get in front of these people. You're going to be able to talk to them, um, ask them the questions, why, how come, can you do this, or you'll help me here. And believe me, this is where if you're if you're an activist podcaster, where you're you you know you're looking actively for cool things to help build audience. This is the time to to be there in their face and say, "This is what I want." I mean, we get a lot of that, Rob. You guys do too. When we you know events, people are saying, "Okay, how come you're not doing this?" or "Please do that." Or so you know, we get a lot of our ideas on what we're going to do in the future from those face to face meetings. So Dan, are you you guys bringing back the the broadcaster or the podcasters meet broadcasters um, segment, or is that faded away now? And 
we're blending everybody together more. Yeah, so that's the track that we did with Jacobs Media for several years, right. and there, um, Jacobs Media is known as kind of consultants in the radio industry that have been helping old school radio mm-hmm. stations transition to digital, and podcasting is obviously yeah. a, a big part of that. Um, so we partnered with them uh, since 2017 yeah. so for three yeah. years on that track, um, and this year, well, because of things changing and maybe not necessarily having as much. Um, ballroom space we're not going to do that we might reimagine it in the future the bigger issue and we sat down with the jacobs team after 2019 in orlando and what we what we thought about and what we discussed was maybe so many of the broadcasters are now podcasters so many Mm -hmm. radio stations are doing podcasts and the whole idea for that track was to open the door for radio people to come to a podcast conference and feel like there was programming for them programming that wasn't right that you know wasn't geared that was geared towards radio people getting into podcasting and at this right. point that transition all the same. has pretty much already happened right. and now it's blended so uh you know the first two years uh there was a ton of radio people coming going to the radio sessions but mm-hmm. then we started seeing last year that those radio people were coming but then now that they felt like they were part of the podcast community they were going to other tracks and then right that broadcasters meet podcasters track was just attended like any other track. And the whole, you know, the specialness of it being geared towards those people didn't have the appeal it did before. So right. that's the big reason why um, I think we'll do something with the Jacobs team for sure. Cause their content's always um, really great and really stellar, but that track as it was intended actually kind of accomplished the goal. Like the whole idea was to open the door for those people to come. Then they came and then they don't need that anymore. Yeah, I agree with you in that choice to, to kind of um, maybe give a break to that and see how that, um, so those people blend in with everyone else. Cause like you say, the, a lot of those networks and a lot of those folks are already podcasting so they could benefit from everything um, that, that the event offers that, that, that is certainly for sure. So for, as far as, um, Let's go back to the content tracks a little bit because I, you know, I submitted a session and I got to see the different categories of content. Can you kind of briefly go over the track categories so people kind of know, um, you know, what the lineup is going to be of content? And I yeah, so we always divide the content up by whatever you want to call it, genre or topic or or whatever. So we've Mm -hmm. got our creation track, which is um, can be anything from like interview skills to storytelling type conver- you know, discussions, anything that goes, that's very much geared towards the creators. Um, we've got our, uh, marketing and monetization track. Those are kind of self-explanatory monet mm-hmm. marketing is spreading the word about your show, growing your audience, that kind of thing. Monetization can be anything from discussions on, um, you know, ad sales on your show to crowdfunding your show, kind of anything that involves, um, different monet- monetary pieces. Um, even like, doing a private or a members only type show on some of those platforms and like the new Apple features. Now Um, we've got our technical track, which is, you know, editing and production and sound design. So that kind of gets again, a little bit more to that technical side of things. Um, We have our industry track and I'm just going off my head here, but the industry track, which is geared towards not necessarily the people that are talking into the microphone, but that's kind of the business side. So those are the, those are the sessions that are often led by, you know, executives from some of the the networks or um, ad sales people, and that's more geared towards other ad sellers and buyers versus like the actual podcasters. But everyone can can go into all the sessions and can learn, you know, from those those things. But those are again geared more towards business people, business side of things, not the creators. Um, we've got our society, culture, and advocacy track, and that's a lot of um, 
discussing uh, anything from uh, bringing podcasting to underserved communities or Mm -hmm. a lot of times like podcasting for kids and what, what different considerations you have to have when you're talking to children instead of adults. Um, So that's really a a bunch of those different um, often sensitive topics are often kind of a little more, um, you know, hot button issues. Uh, And then we've got a few newer ones this year. Um, We introduced them at the virtual event, but we've got our internal podcasting uh, track and that's for people who are podcasting inside of organizations. So more as communication amongst uh, from employers to employees or amongst employees, Um, not always podcasts that are in Apple podcasts, but private RSS feeds for uh, corporations. And then we've got our branded podcast slash content marketing track. And that's, somewhat similar to the internal podcast track, except though that's for companies that are podcasting as a form of content marketing. So we've seen a lot of companies like Trader Joe's is a perfect example of a company that uses their podcast as pure marketing for their store, but they do it really well. So, and there's not a lot of brands that actually do it really well. So trying to pull some of these brands that do it well to come teach. And then also some of the companies that are behind those branded podcasts to come teach that skill. And then the last one this year, which is fully new, is the Spanish language track. So that's a track for, um, and it's all going to be in Spanish. And that's obviously we all know, and you guys talked about it before, that's a growing side of uh, yeah. the podcast industry or, or non-English speaking podcasts. So we're um, this can be our first uh, first step in that direction to have a full day uh, on, a, on one of our tracks for Spanish speaking sessions. Gotcha. Well, that's exciting having the Spanish track. That's going to be yeah. exciting. So have you gotten any um, companies that are focused on the Spanish market to get involved in the event to support that track? You know, on the, um, on the content side, yes. Um, Mm -hmm. On the, on the sponsorship side, not as much, but we, you know, we've, Mm -hmm. we actually rolled out a weekly Spanish newsletter um, under a year ago. It's called Podmove in Espanol and it has uh, nearly 8,000 subscribers now. And we're not re- we don't really do a whole lot of promotion of it. Just kind of it's a little bit word of mouth amongst the Spanish speaking podcasters, um, and it's really just kind of we we put out our Pod Move daily and newsletter every morning, and it's kind of a greatest hits from that each week that is translated mm-hmm. into Spanish and shared. Um, but it's really gotten good feedback, and so we've got a really good kind of base of Spanish speaking podcasters, and we're excited to unveil this this track for them, and and some of those people are involved in that newsletter has actually had really good support from sponsors. Um, so some of the different um, networks and, and platforms and tools and stuff are actively trying to enter that space, just like we are mm-hmm. um, the non-English speaking uh, podcast space. So it's, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing kind of that, that interest level from, from sponsors come, but not necessarily anyone that like, that's all their focus is. It's more, right. you know, people that, you know, we're familiar with who are kind of trying to cross over. You know, one thing that we've seen over the past 10 years or so is the diversity in the spaces, you know, really, you know, I think right now, based on information I'm looking at, you know, women podcast or women that are doing podcasts are going faster than even men, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, people of color, the whole thing is, is, is really exploded. Uh, What do you feel then on attendee wise? Do you think we're going to see that same? you know, multi-spectrum of, of individuals that are going to attend? Yeah, I think so. Um, I feel like most as the event has progressed, we've started seeing more and more of that accurate representation of the people who are podcasting. Like you said, the people podcasting are diverse. 
Um, right. And, you know, the event has grown into being a pretty accurate representation of those people who are in the space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, when it comes to uh, businesses and corporations sending their their top people, I think we still do see a disparity of, you know, white males being the people that are running all the companies. And when those people running the companies are coming to the event, then that, you know, offsets it a little bit. But I do right. know, you know, most companies you see right now are actively trying to, um, you know, address that as an issue. And, you know, so I think as that changes, then it'll just naturally, you know, manifest itself at the event as well. Yeah, I, I agree. But, I, you know, I think from, if I think back to two years ago, I was pretty astonished by the, well, not necessarily astonished, happy to see the the diversity, you know, and mm-hmm. those that were attending. I, you know, I was really, really impressed. Um, and it makes me think that we're in that regard, we're probably leading the space um you know as far as creators go in a in a much bigger way than maybe some of the other uh, the other more official television and broadcast space i think that from a uh podcast creator space i think we're probably as as diverse as or more diverse than anything dan did i get the right impression for, from you that um there aren't any of the big companies that have decided that they they still aren't going to let their employees travel yet or have all of them change their position as of now? Yeah. So as far as we know, the three that we've heard have corporate travel restrictions mm-hmm. that keep attend or employees from attending are Google, which I think that's like across the company. They're not allowing okay. anything. For yeah. Anything. So they, they still haven't opened up then. Okay. Google hasn't opened up. Um, Facebook, we saw recently that they're starting to do more in the podcast space, but as of now, yep. they also have a similar corporate uh, mandate. Um, and then just kind of a, a random one from the content side, CBS Viacom has a corporate mm. corporate no travel thing. Um, theirs could be lifted a little sooner. But anyways, those are the main ones that uh, may or may not have been involved that probably won't be. But in terms of, you know, you name it, any, anyone else, um, we've actively engaging in them from content or sponsorship or both. And they're, you know, full full steam ahead. So, yeah, so I've heard some some talk about uh this whole balance that that the venue and what you guys are trying to do around the whole um, safety of attendees, right? Uh, around you know mask wearing, vaccine stuff. I mean, is there things that you guys are going to be doing um, around that at the event uh, at all? What's the what's the position that you guys are taking on all that stuff? Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, right now the venues, Marriott, uh, at least nationwide, maybe yeah. worldwide, all their venues are and hotels and conference centers are masks, right. uh, masks right. required indoors when not eating. So from that standpoint, right. we follow what the hotel says. Um, but in terms of, you know, requiring negative tests or requiring right. vaccine proof, like th- that's not something we're, we're going to get involved something. in. Okay. All right. Know? Um, you know, so yeah, not, not really taking a stance on that one. Um, okay. but you know, as, again, like if the event happened today, hotel would say wear a mask, we say wear masks. Got it. Um, and then, you know, we'll, We'll, we'll see what happens over the, the next two months. Um, but our, our ultimate goal is to make sure everyone feels safe and comfortable. And, and if they're going to travel there, right. they're not feeling like we're putting them in a, you know, weird or awkward position. They're not comfortable in, um, there's several other things we're doing. Like we, we saw, uh, several events recently that are doing like colored lanyards. So if you have a, if you've chosen the green lanyard, that means, Hey, come up and give me a hug. If you have a yellow lanyard, it's like, Hey, we'll mm-hmm. fist bump, but maybe we're not going to, you know, you know, hug it out. Or if you wear the, if you choose a red lanyard, that means, you know, let's wave from a, a social distance, but we're not necessarily going to try 
try to okay. um, you know have too much physical contact. So something like that, whether it's a button or a sticker or a colored lanyard, um, then with guides throughout the venue so that people can choose what their level of comfort is. And, right. you know, like I said, if we do that pod seating and someone has the red lanyard, they might choose a seat that doesn't have any seats adjacent to it. Or if someone has a green lanyard, then they might, you know, want to sit in the, the grouping of four, the pod of four in the theater seating. So, um, those are the kinds of things we're trying to do to, to make sure that we're accommodating of people on every end of the spectrum that are willing to, you know, and interested in traveling. So that's the first step is do they want to be there? And then once they're there, try to yeah. let people kind of choose their own comfort zones. Yeah. So it's not going to be based on whether or not a person's been fully vaccinated or not. And there's no special privileges for vaccinated people or anything like that. No, and I know a few of the stadiums have have tried that. I think Yankee Stadium maybe has a different mm-hmm. section for vaccinated people versus non-vaccinated right. people. But that's that's just something that we're not going to have the the technology yeah. or manpower, or even you know maybe the desire to to try to to, to try and do like something that. like that. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And by then, it may not be much of an issue because um, you know things are progressing on that front. Yeah. You know, going back to my experience with going to my son's graduation, they had his, every family had a number and we had a parking stall with a number and, and then we had a specific seat. And then when, as soon as your, you know, your, your son or daughter walked, then you had to get up and leave the stadium and go back to your car. So at least you got to see them walk. So um i'm i'm hoping that things aren't like that crazy restricted and uh that we'll have a pretty much free movement but i do think it's important that you know some people may not feel comfortable with the hug and it'd be nice to know if they're not but um i guess we'll see what happens (laughs) i i think that's that's kind of when and i keep referring back but when when the podcast academy did the ambies a few weeks ago and we were on the production side and rob was there uh presenting kind of the same thing like you see people and you're like i don't know if this person wants if, if i'm gonna offend them if i try to reach out and fist bump or if i'm gonna you know whatever and, you yeah, know that yeah. that was a super close set they kind of did it like they're doing hollywood sets right now uh, filming sets where everyone's you know tested before they enter the building and things like that so that was um yeah i think we we had that extra level of comfort but everyone still was you know wearing masks yeah. and stuff so right. well that's a good kind of kind of segue into talking about the the ambies a little bit you, you guys were heavily involved in producing that event and um what was your i mean what's your high level thoughts on that process and what you um what the results were from that you think yeah, I mean, so so taking a step back, you know, obviously our specialty that we started mm-hmm. the company on is producing events, and um, we mm-hmm. quickly learned, and you know, by trial by fire, how to produce virtual events and and things like that. And yeah, when the Ambi uh, team decided to do the awards, but wanted to do it virtually, and they came to us and asked if it was something we could uh, help them do, uh, we we obviously liked the idea of helping them, but we really liked the idea of trying to do something that wasn't all zoom call based, all pre-recorded video based. Um, we think that for the virtual events, like live is imperative um, right. because if it's not live, then people can just say they'll watch later and then they never watch. Right. Because that's, yeah. that's just how it works right now is, you know, these virtual events that aren't live, if you don't watch them live, you're probably not going to go back and watch them later. So, um, and then we came across the idea of doing it live from a studio so that right. the attendees were watching streaming. So it was a virtual event for attendees. Uh, but in-person uh, production with a stage and a set and multiple camera angles and all of that. And that's where we came across the um, in-crowd is the name of the the production company that mm-hmm. does those um, 
the virtual events that from the studio with there was you know digital backdrop a, a giant curved wall for the zoom calls or for people that were joining virtually um, just a really cool setup and I thought it turned into a really cool unique event for those who watched at home and almost like uh, it almost felt like because that's similar concept with the Grammys and the Oscars did as kind of on stage but broadcast to you know people there wasn't a live audience all the nominees joined via zoom call that kind of thing um so we kind of took that and i feel like did it um you know for what was a first year event from a yeah from a you know first year group i thought it was a really really good production and you know we were super excited when we saw those the numbers of people who watched live on twitch and then watched later on on twitch those were pretty staggering numbers for you know what is a a niche still a niche kind of uh, award show. Right. And I think a lot of uh, the feedback that I heard that a fair amount of people were, were skeptical that um, all the nominees were, were live and just, just purely from being there in person myself, I've never he- seen so many um, Max lined up with <laughs> the separate with uh, callers. Yeah. yeah. With zoom running um, all lined up along one, one wall. So it, it was definitely all, all of the nominees were, were live. So it yeah. was, yeah. The secret whole thing sauce was, was like you right. said, a lot of calls, a lot of zoom links being <laughs> shared around, uh, hard work from our, right. our team who was doing the production, who had to like all, there was over 150 finalists in each one of those did a rehearsal with our team to make sure that when right. they jumped on their lighting was going to be right. Their camera placement was going to be good. <clears throat> and then for all 150 of those attendees to actually show up on time in the right zoom link when they were supposed to be there, we didn't have one finalist who didn't show up live where they were mm-hmm. supposed to be, which that's the, that's the biggest shocker of them all. Is that's nobody, a miracle. You know, yeah. <laughs> nobody forgot. Nobody had an internet outage. Nobody. Yeah. It was a, uh, and yeah, that was a good compliment Rob from people that said that, they felt like it was there was some pre-recorded, you know, finalists or pre-recorded mm-hmm. acceptance speeches, or that some people knew they were the winners before, and we 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 know for sure that they didn't know, no, um, because we <laughs> we found out pretty pretty late in the game ourselves. So, um, yeah, it was a, uh, yeah, yeah, it was one a of the reasons why I went to pre-recorded stuff because I could never <laughs> get people to show up, and plus I didn't have twenty Max in the back to be able to sequence them in, <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, it was a completely live production, you know, I mean, I had to be timed to come up on stage at the right time and do all that. I mean, there was a lot of back end kind of logistics, just trying to plan who was going to be where and when and how people were going to walk in and off the stage and all sorts of stuff. So it was pretty, pretty detailed. You know, I was there rehearsing a couple hours before the event too. So, so it was uh, quite a, I was impressed. It was, it was a fantastic production. Yeah. So I do have one idea for podcast movement. You ought to have a you ought to have a contest for the most creative mask. Uh, oh, okay. Why why Todd are 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 you guys and your team creating a a colorful mask or something? No, but I'm sure you guys You're saying are. is he setting up a contest that he thinks they got a chance of winning? Yeah. <laughs> It's just an it's just an idea. Yeah, that seems like a seeded plant for something that uh, he's planning. <laughs> that will be interesting though, because we do see everyone, you know, people having their own podcast names on their T-shirts and stuff like that. Right. I wonder if we'll see some some custom masks for people's people shows because I know um, T Public, which is one of our sponsors, they do print on demand for a lot of podcasters, and they do mm-hmm. mask print on demand too. So I wonder how much those have uh, 
been distributed out. So yeah, there, yeah. There, there's been a lot of changes. And I know that the, the Lipson folks are already planning a bunch of different t-shirts and, and also masks too. So that, <laughs> I could see, I could see Todd do that too. But, uh, well, but, you know, on the mask discussion, it's funny because not funny, but it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, because as we were call it March of last year, March, yeah. April, even May of last year, we still mm-hmm. thought there was a chance that the 2020 event was going to happen. We thought maybe things would get better. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the things that would come up was, okay, well, we're obviously going to give people masks that check in, you know, in their bag. Um, but would, how tacky would it be if we put like a logo on it or we sold a sponsorship on it because things were so fresh then that, you know, that seemed like it would be a really tacky thing to do. And now, you know, a year later, like the masks are, you know, slowly going away, but still kind of around. And now it's a, you know, kind of, Hey, should we do a contest for craziest mass? So it's just yeah. interesting over the course of 12 months, how the sentiment, you know, behind them changed from when they were fresh to where now you kind of, like Todd said, even sometimes still see them out on the beach or something. Yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of people have really gotten used to wearing masks now. I mean, I, I see it where I'm at here now. I mean, they've already said you, you don't have to wear masks when you're outside, but I'm, I'm shocked to see how many people wear masks when they're outside. Well, it's going to be a slow transition, even <laughs> right. when it's all done. Cause you have some people, I mean, right. if you look in Asia, a lot of people in Asia, like if they have a cough, they yeah. it's a respect thing. They wear their masks. They don't want to get other people sick been, if they have something. They've been something. doing it for 30 years. Yeah, so, they have. So, yeah. I mean, there's going to be some people that say, oh, now it makes sense why they did it. Like, maybe I do right. have a cough. I'll, I'll do it. Or maybe I'm on the subway and just crammed in like sardines. Yeah. And for mm-hmm. my safety, it makes sense to wear one. So, um, and I think it was such a slow transition to get people like for people to buy in. And then once they bought in, it's going to be an equal transition for them to, you know, get comfortable. Yeah. And some people invested some big bucks in some of their masks that they have. I know some of them had like little fans built into them and, (laughs) and all sorts of stuff. Or some people bought the, the disposable ones in bulk. And now they're like, if I don't keep wearing these, I'm never going to go through this box. Exactly. Exactly. So I think I've got some of those masks that were made on some floor where you used that video that was going around where they were stapling them together actually on the, (laughs) right on the concrete. I think I got some of those in a box that came from some foreign country, but yeah, not so, not, not such a hurry to wear those. (laughs) So the, the next question is talking about the, the next event after uh, Nashville. I know you're working on an event for Los Angeles and I know you put out a little bit of information about that, but, uh, can you share any details on the Evolutions event that's coming, I think it's 2022, right? Yep, exactly. So that was our last in-person event was in February 2020 mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. Um, right. We did our first Evolutions event, and that's already booked again for March 23rd through 26th at the JW Marriott uh, next year, in, again in Los Angeles. Um, mm-hmm. Super cool venue. We site visited it a few weeks ago, and... I call that our um, pandemic discount venue because we booked it when they still didn't have a whole lot of events booked and other uh, the the room prices and oh. stuff that we got from them are room prices that on a normal year would it's like half the hotel cost wow. as normal. So it's one of those venues. It's kind of a we had a one one shot to be able to do an event there that'll be really cool and again really awesome venue right there in L.A. Live is the where Staples Center is and Microsoft has a big theater and stuff. Oh, really cool. Okay. Really cool little. Um, if, if you went to evolutions last year, that was the, um, uh, the more seasoned side of downtown, yeah. uh, where, where the Fillmore was. And, <laughs> yeah. And this is the more, um, right. you know, the, the hit hap, hip happening light, uh, night spot kind of place in downtown. Um, but we've got that. Um, I think we, we, we've talked about that's when we're, um, fully planning for the, the podcast hall of fame to come back at that event. 
Um, I think it'll be really cool to sync it up to to that event that we plan on doing every year. Um, kind of give it a give it a home long term, um, and that's the plan to do that event every spring. Um, and then we'll be back in kind of our our makeup event in Dallas uh, in August 2022. Um, that's where we were supposed to be in 2020. Um, so in August of 2022, we'll be back and um, checking that box here in our hometown for for the first time since 2014. And I think yeah, there's a chance crazy. that the Ambies could be coming back at that time too. So yeah. that's what I hear for the uh, <laughs> yeah for the in, in the March in that spring time frame for sure. Yep. You would know better than me. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> gentlemen, we are we're already at an hour, and uh, I think Rob and I decided just because I'm here in Honolulu, we're going to go a little shorter. Anything else nope. have we missed? We didn't talk many news, so there's going to be a lot to catch up next week, Rob, when we talk about what's oh, going yeah. on in the space. But well, um, we could always do a, do a Saturday show, Todd. Maybe Dan I've just pulled your leg. <laughs> I've just pulled your leg. It's a holiday. Sounds like you too. might have to have a new co-host for that one. Uh, yeah, I yeah. guess so. Boy, who can I recruit? Dan? Are you available? Uh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> go on Saturday. <laughs> so, well, Dan, it was great to have you on again. It was, and it's great to have things kind of get back to normal again, too. Right. Yeah, and you know, we hope to see as many familiar faces out there in Nashville in, in August as possible. Uh, podcastmovement.com will point you to the right direction and uh, whether it's in-person attendance or virtual attendance yeah we're trying to do our best to to get the gang back together and a whole lot of new people that have uh, joined the joined the scene in the last two years because it's grown like crazy and we're trying to just keep up with it yeah so dan don't bounce out yet because we want to make sure this all gets synced up but what's the best way they folks can contact you or the team yeah, you can just email me dan at podcastmovement.com and um yeah, and social media will will somehow find its way to me, but email's the quickest. Yeah, and All right, awesome. Podcastmovement.com, right? Sign up. Yeah, there you really go. appreciate it. Good to, <laughs> good to be back and can't wait to see you guys. Yeah. So Rob, uh, how can they reach you? Uh it can be found on Twitter at Rob Greenlee, and you can send me an email if you want. Uh Rob G at Lipson.com. Um uh, love to hear from you. Of course, I'm Todd at Blueberry.com or at Geek News on Twitter. And, of course, we'll be back with you next Wednesday for another edition of this. I'll be back in the studio in Michigan. So, Rob, you got to close out uh, audio for us to take us to the end? All right. I play the just the normal ex- exit here. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, normal exit. We'll get out of here. Everyone, thanks for being here. Make sure Welcome you subscribe. to the New Media Show, where each Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, UTC plus 4. Todd Cochran and Rob Greenlee take their over 30 combined years of leadership in the podcasting space to discuss, dissect, and deconstruct the current podcasting news, forecasts, trends, and predictions. Now here are your hosts, Academy of Podcasting Hall of Famers, Todd Cochran and Rob Greenlee. <laughs> Goodbye. You, you got the I don't wrong think one, that was Bob. the right one. <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Bye.